It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, I am so excited to be back in another session with you. Now, I don't know about you, but as I look around the culture and I look around, you know, whether it's the world stuff or the American stuff or the politics or economics or whether or not you watch the news, which you probably shouldn't, but regardless of all that is happening, you have to admit it is a rather crazy season that we live in. And regardless of what may be happening, I, I really just want to focus on a concept uh, today. Really, the idea I want to get to is I am incredibly optimistic in the times that we live in. Now, I know that sounds maybe a little odd because I just admitted that things are a little crazy, and they are. However, as Christians, we have every reason to be joyful and excited for these days that we live in. So I'm going to walk through a little mini-series called Four Reasons I'm Incredibly Optimistic Right Now. Not just optimistic, but incredibly optimistic. Now, what I like to do is in each of these four mini sessions that we're going to be walking through, I want to give you one of the key reasons why I'm incredibly optimistic right now, regardless of what's happening with COVID, regardless what is happening in the politics and around the world. I actually think we as Christians should be the most joy-filled, excited, expectant people in all the earth. And so let's just look at the first one. Uh, that I want to walk through. It's this idea of God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Now, really quick, there's probably far more than four reasons why we should be incredibly optimistic. But as I was just pondering and looking at the state of the world today, I just said, okay, there's four key things that I keep coming back to that has been a great boon and encouragement to my soul. And the first one is this, this idea that God has promised. He has promised to never, ever leave or forsake us. That idea comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Let me read you this passage where the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 13 verse 5. He says, for he himself, God, has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What an incredible passage. Let me read it, read it in another translation, because I just want you to hear the tone and the thrust of what is being said here in Hebrews chapter 13. So here, here's the Lexham translation. It says, for he himself has said, I will never desert you and I will never abandon you. So then we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? What if we actually lived with that kind of a confidence? What if we recognized that God himself has declared and promised to us that he will never, ever leave or forsake us? And if that is true, then the conclusion that the writer of Hebrews says is, well, then we can boldly with confidence declare, well, there is no reason to fear because what could men or what could the earthly systems do to me if I know that my God will never leave me or forsake me. Well, I want to kind of flesh out this passage just a little bit because as you get into the actual words of this passage, it is an incredible encouragement and exhortation to our souls. And it's actually a concept 
that I've consistently reminded myself for these last several years, and it's been incredibly beneficial over this last year as we've been dealing with, well, craziness. <laughs> One of the things I just want to point out and just emphasize is the fact that the writer of Hebrews declares he himself has said. The reason that is so important is because that there is a double emphasis on the person who is speaking. Anytime you see something repeated in scripture, it's there for emphasis. So when you begin to see that there's a tone or a concept or a topic or a word that is repeated, you know that it, the writer is using that as a way to emphasize that which he is saying. So think about this. God is not merely saying these words. It is he himself who is saying these words. It, it is he himself who is making this declaration. In other words, the writer of Hebrews wants to make sure that you are without doubt confident in who has spoken these things to you. And the reason that is important is because, well, if it was just something we heard, if it was just a rumor out there, if it was just, well, this concept or just this theory, well, then there's no reason we have to be confident or fearless. But if we know without a doubt that God himself has made these declarations, then we can stand firm upon this promise, these truths, because God has spoken and he can not lie. So I want you just to hear this emphasis that God himself, he himself has declared these things. Now, what is it that he has declared? Now, look, look at these words of Jesus again. He himself has said, I will never desert you or abandon you, or I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, I want to look at those two words rather specifically with you because I think it will really help us understand the depth of this passage. So let's look at these two words. That first word there for the word leave is this idea of to desert, to abandon, to forsake, to leave behind, to depart and not take along, either intentionally or by neglect or forgetfulness. Now, the word forsake means to desert, to give up, to cease from, to abandon, forsake, or leave behind. Now, <laughs> if you look at those definitions, you'd have to say, uh, Nathan, what on earth is the difference between those two words? They sound almost identical in their definitions. And I'd say, you are correct. So let's take this one step deeper. When you look at these words in the Greek, it's really interesting that that word for leave, again, it has this idea to give up, to give up on you, to fail you, to leave something behind. That word in particular has this idea of, I, I, I have something and I left it and then, oh, I, oh, I misplaced it. Oh, I, I, I forgot it. And usually this, this word is used in a whole variety of ways, but for our sake of discussion, especially in contrast with the other word, it's probably helpful to think of this as like some intangible object. I don't know how many times you've gone on vacation or on a trip and you know, you, you pull out of your house and you get partway down the road or several hours down, down the way, or you're on the airplane and suddenly it dawned on you, oh, I forgot my toothbrush. Now you forsook it, you left it behind, right? Or maybe in a pillow or, or whatever it is that you, you would have left. And so you immediately go, oh no, I, I forgot such and such. And we did this word, we left it. Now, for most of us, we just say, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Let's just, let's just replace it. If it's a toothbrush, you know what? I'm not gonna drive two hours out of my way to go back home to drive two more hours back to where we're at. So let's just stop at the nearest nearest place and we'll just buy an, another another toothbrush. You forgot your pillow, your favorite pillow. Uh, you know what? That's a bummer, but 
you know what, I'll buy you another pillow. I am not driving, you know, all these extra hours or we're on the plane. We are not getting off the plane. So that's kind of this idea of this word that I left something, whether it was purposeful or intentional or unintentional or by forgetfulness, that actually doesn't matter. The idea is that, well, I just left it. Oops. Oh no. What are we going to do? That's this word. Think about this. God has promised that he will never, ever do that with you. That he's not going to treat you as some intangible object. He's not going to treat you like a pillow or a toothbrush. He's not going to go, well, oh, you know what? I'm already on my trip and you know what? I'll just, I'll replace it. See, God will never do that with us because he has promised to never leave us. Now that word is slightly, con again, it's very similar, but it's contrasted with this other word, which is often translated to forsake. Now that word forsake is used 10 times in the New Testament and get this, it is always used in terms of relationship or it's always in the context of relationship. Let me give you one example or one passage of scripture that may help us kind of flesh this out. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. So this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. That's our word. Struck down, but not destroyed. Did you, do you hear what Paul, Paul is saying there? He says, God is never, ever going to leave or forsake you. He, he's never going to bring you to this place where he's going to treat you as this intangible object, nor in relationship is he going to forsake you. So, so look at those two words again. There's this idea of leaving, which is this intangible, typically this intangible object, like a toothbrush. And then there's this other idea of forsaking, which is every time it's used in the New Testament is used in the sense of relationship. So let me give you a quick illustration. <clears throat> uh, years ago, uh, a good buddy of mine and I were flying out to Tennessee for me to speak at a conference and he just wanted to attend. And uh, I, I, I love water. I'm constantly drinking water. I always have a water bottle with me. I, I never go anywhere without a water bottle. It's, it's bizarre. I, I get that. But I always have a water bottle. And water bottles are rather precious <laughs> in my world because I, I always have water. And so my buddy came up to me and says, Nathan, I, I don't have a water bottle. Could, could I borrow one of your water bottles? I said, well, sure. I'd be delighted for you to borrow one. But I, I just need to emphasize that these are actually precious in my life. I really like my water bottles. I, I really like the certain kinds that I get. So please, please don't lose it. And so we go to Tennessee and, and uh, one day he was up in Nashville and he was doing some ministry stuff. And, and he came back that evening to the conference and he says, Nathan, I am, I am so sorry. But while we were in Nashville, for some reason, I, I set down the water bottle and we, we, we ended up rushing to leave. And I, I got back and oh, I'm so sorry, but I have forsaken. I have left your water bottle and I lost my water bottle. And of course, I was, I was disheartened. I cried myself to sleep that night. Just kidding. I didn't actually do that. But, you know, I, I was just kind of like, oh, that was a good water bottle, too. And almost ironically or probably humorously, uh, a couple of days later, I was at a meeting at a coffee shop and I brought my water bottle and I never usually bring it in, but I brought my water bottle in and we had this conversation and I left and I too had left my water bottle and I forsook my water bottle and left at the coffee shop and saw it that week. I lost two water bottles. That's that idea of that first word. That second word though, that forsaken idea in relationship, let me give you an illustration for that because I think that might help us too. Uh, I don't know about you, but when you were, a, when I was a little kid, 
uh, my mom would always take us clothes shopping. I, I hated clothes shopping. But, you know, my mom would want to go look for something or, or she needed something. So she would, you know, bring the two kids with her. And, and so here's me, my brother. And as, as while she was shopping, uh, one of my great delights as a little kid was to, you know, get sneak up in those middle of those, uh, those circular clothes, you know, those display things. You know, so they, they have the clothes on, on, in a circle. And if you just get up in the middle, it's like a huge fort. It's, it's an adventure. And I love being up in the middle of those things and I would, you know, make up things and whatnot. And my favorite thing was, is that uh, if you were there and someone happened to come along and was shopping for clothing and they happened to be at your particular rack and here they are, they're going through the clothes and they open up something, you know, to, to check it out. And at that point you could pop out and scare them. I, oh, it was awesome. Well, there were several times where I came out from the middle of that clothes rack and I looked around and suddenly I realized I had a serious problem. And my problem was that my mother was nowhere to be found. So I am, I am in desperation. I'm looking around. Where's, where's my mom? Oh no, she must have forsook me. That's, that's kind of that idea. Now, my mom never actually left me. She usually knew right where I was at and was hiding around the corner just to see if I even cared uh, if she was around. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that as a little kid, your concern is that, well, maybe my mom forgot that she brought me in. And, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm going to be stuck at this store forever. Now, think about what God is saying in our passage in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. God himself is saying, I will never treat you like that. I, I will never treat you like a toothbrush, or I will never treat you like a water bottle that I just bring somewhere and then, oh, I forgot it. Oh, I left it behind. Oops, I misplaced it. God says, I will never do that with you, nor... In the midst of relationship, am I going to forsake you? In other words, God is not going to sit there and go, you know what? I, I know that you and I have a relationship. I know that you and I are really tight, but you know, eh, oh, well, misplaced you. Oh, left you at the store. Oh, oh, well. See, God will never, ever do that. Now, it's interesting that as you come and look at the passage, it's, it's, there's this emphasis, there's an emphatic stress the pressure that is happening in the passage that we often overlook. Now, let me read you the passage one more time. And I, I want to I emphasize something to you. It's really fascinating, powerful in my mind. Again, Hebrews 13.5 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting in the original Greek, when you look at that, there are several words that are not translated into English. And the reason being is it actually wouldn't make any sense in English. <laughs> when, you let, when you look at the original Greek, there is these multiple negations. Now, don't get lost with me. Uh, in English, it's interesting. If you put two negatives together, it makes it a positive, right? So if you say, I am no, not doing that, means that we're going to do it, right? Because you have the no, not thing. But in Greek, if you have two negatives, like never, never, or no, not, it actually strengthens or emphasizes whatever that negation, that negative thing is. So think about what God is saying. He says, I will never, that's a negative. I'm never going to do this, nor, that's another one, ever going to do this. But when you look at the original Greek, there's not just the never or nor in the passage. Five times, five times in this passage, that never word shows up. So a proper translation of Hebrews 13.5 is God himself has said, I will never, never leave you, nor never, never forsake you. 
Now, again, anytime a word is repeated, it's there for emphasis. Isn't this a fascinating thought? That it's not just that God is telling us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He is yelling in your face. He's hitting you over the head with a two by four. He is just shouting in your ear. I promise you, I promise you, I will never, 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 never leave or forsake you. Now, several years ago, I was speaking at a conference and I brought this passage up and uh, sitting in the front row was a good friend of mine who is a Greek scholar. And <laughs> I started talking about the fact that there's these five negatives in the passage. And I'm like, that's really strong. And suddenly I had this thought of like, I hope that's correct. <laughs> you know, I mean, Charles Spurgeon, when I read a Charles Spurgeon commentary, Charles Spurgeon said that there's five negations. So surely that, that can't be wrong. But I looked over at my friend and I said, Wayne, is, is that correct? Is there five? There, there are five of these, right? And he hurried and looked at the Greek and he goes, oh no. He goes, there are, there are not five. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> he goes, there's actually two more in the grammar, the, the structure of the grammar in the Greek. Think about this. Seven times in this passage, God is telling you that he will never do something. That he is never, 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 never going to leave or forsake you. You realize that we can have confidence and boldness in the fact of what God has promised. And he cannot lie. So even if God just said it once, that should be sufficient for us. And yet God seven times says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm, I just promise you, I'm not going to do this stuff. I, I won't treat you as some inanimate object that I just leave behind or forget. I will never, ever in the midst of relationship, just kind of leave you by the wayside. Isn't that an encouragement? No wonder the very next statement of our passage is, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you realize that if you would take this passage to heart, it would radically change your life? Why? Why am I incredibly optimistic right now, despite all the craziness that we are living in as a culture? Well, one of the reasons I can be incredibly optimistic is because God himself has promised that he will never, ever leave me or forsake me. So therefore, I can confidently declare with boldness, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? What can man do to me? Wow. What if we would look at all the hard times? What if we would look at the difficulty? What, what if we would look at the political system? What if we would look at the economics? What if we would look at the, the world craziness and say, you know what? Despite all of that stuff, Lord, you have promised. In fact, you have said you will never, 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 never leave or forsake me. So I'm going to trust you. That no matter what I'm going through, you are right here with me. No matter what I might be facing, no matter what challenge, what difficulty, what hardship, you are smack dab in the middle of it with me. That is incredible news. So we can be incredibly optimistic. Now, I'm going to be looking at the next three reasons why I'm incredibly optimistic for all the stuff that's going, despite all the stuff that's going on right now in these next three sessions. So if you're listening via podcast, I would encourage you to go over to ellersley.com forward slash daily, where you can click on this particular episode. And then on that page, there'll be the three other videos where you can listen or watch why I am incredibly optimistic despite all that is going on. 
Now, before I let you go, I just want to let you know that I want to show you a media piece for our week-long training. I'm so excited about what is coming up this summer in our week-long program. So until next time, know I am cheering you on as you embrace the full reality of Jesus Christ who promised to never leave you or forsake you. So here's some information on our week-long program. Our one-week training is sort of our cheater's way of helping all of you gain a foundation and get started in this grand epic adventure known as following after Jesus. And if there was ever a time in history where we need to be grounded and sound on the Word of God, boy, it's now. Our desire isn't to lead you to us, it's to lead you to Jesus. And so that you can take this hope of eternal life back to your home, to your church, to your family, and see them changed as well. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.